watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I am Jason Lemroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we're gonna take a look at three movies. Snatched, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, and Hounds of Love. And as always, we're gonna rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being the highest rating, Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life's too short for this Mother's Day mess. Oh, that, like, a very special. That's right, guys. It's a special Mother's Day episode of The Binge in which we look at three films in which mothers are a combination of A, always right, B, in peril, and or C, killed in the opening sequence. <laughs> Uh, so settle in for that. The tie that binds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebecca, before we get into that, what's up with you? Um, so not so much about my mother, but my father was here this past week, um, which was really uh, exciting and really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great guy, uh, even though he's not a, the biggest fan of movies. Um, but, you know, we won't hold out against him. He's otherwise... I mean, in, I will, but... Well, that's why... Not my father. <laughs> is your father a fan my of movies? My father loves movies. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother loves movies. Mm, well, where is uh, she? I mean, it's the wrong holiday. This is all a mismatch. It's all a mismatch, um, but she hates flying. So it's really a one you get what you get. When's the last time your dad had to come out to visit you here? It's the first time. Oh, it's the first time? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what did, had he been to San Francisco before? No, he, no. Was it just just looking through his eyes like, what a magical place I There really in. was. And the last week was warm every yeah. day. There was one night where it was kind of chilly, but mm. otherwise it was it was... Yeah. unseasonably and by seasonably i mean yearly it's uneverly mm, like this right. warm for seven days in a row mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i hear that's it until october <laughs> yeah that's gonna be it mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. i got my parka back down <laughs> then we put it in winter storage for a week and then pull it back down uh i know that after we taped our last episode you were off to meet your father in dolores park yeah we had a day at the park he met all of the local vendors <laughs> truffle guy we did that thing where, you know, the guy walks around with a coconut and a machete and then he fills it up with rum. Yeah. We got some of those. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that happening at the park. It's kind of a new thing. Oh. It's like the, the past year, maybe two. It's like, I love how it's like simultaneously like scary and also bougie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the machete really uh, keeps you on your toes. Could go either way. It's uh, it's not bad rum. So oh, well, it's all pretty right. bougie. And then uh, so we wait, went to... So wait, is the coconut actually full of rum? So he gives you the coconut and the straw after he like mm-hmm. hacks off the top. And then he says, drink some, and then you drink some, and then he pours the rum in the rest. (gasps) Well, that sounds really good. It's actually very delicious. Oh, my God. And you were there on a warm day, too. Beautiful day. And then we went to dinner, and then we uh, closed the night at um, this place called, I think, Cornitas, this uh, Mexican bar down the road, Mm. and uh, stayed there drinking uh, uh, buckets of beer until the wee hours of the morning. I forgot my keys, and we had a break back into my house. It was really classic. And have you been this drunk with your father before? Um, yes, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, like not since junior high. Yeah, he did. He did call me a lightweight, <laughs> but um, I definitely get. Uh, my wife says I get my party gene from my dad. <laughs> so it was a great time. What a delight! Yeah, it was fun. Uh, what have you been up to? Well, let's see. This morning, I kind of half-heartedly tried to break up with my therapist. Oh. Oh, I'm in the process of breaking up with my therapist, too. No way. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, if she's not listening, because we actually haven't had that conversation yet. (laughs) I'm sorry, Susan. I don't know her name. So it it wasn't so much uh, that I wanted to break up with him. It was just that, like, I want to try to start switching to bi-weekly. Mm-hmm. 
Instead um, of daily? Instead, <laughs> right, which I'm just like, we've been doing this for a solid year, every single day. I don't know that it's like necessary. The courts aren't, don't think it's necessary <laughs> exactly. anymore. The court, the court has long ago lifted their order. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, I was like, how would you, I don't know, do you do bi-weekly? And he was like... Well, you know, not necessarily just because, you know, it's hard to find someone else to take the every other mm-hmm. week slot that you'd be leaving open. And of course, he's in the business of, of making that money. And I'm not yeah. mad at that. Um, I, I pay him a criminally small amount after my health uh, insurance mm-hmm. uh, that I'm so thankful for. Um, maybe I could take your every other week. It's, it's so maybe. Oh, we should we should divide and conquer. Um, and I'm just like, oh, I've solved our problem. But no, I literally only owe him $20 per session. That's what, yeah, same here. And there's that weird moment where I just like walk in, hand him a $20 yes. bill, and then I sit down. It always feels weird. Like sometimes I'll forget and then I have to give her $40 or something. And it feels oh. like both weird, like I'm <laughs> underpaying for something. But then like I wonder what she does with it. I feel like to yeah. her it's like pocket change because like yeah, the insurance I'm like, I'm pays like, yeah, the rest. Here's $20, you know, like don't spend all in one, one place. place. Yeah. <laughs> but on the next self-help book you're going to tell me about. And like, and he's had to like, and at first when I would go in and hand him money, I always felt so awkward that he had to like talk to me about like, he's like, you know, you don't, you don't have to like smile quite so crazily whenever you hand me that $20. I'm like, oh no, it's no problem. I was like, don't you have a um, nightstand I can put this on? But eventually, like, you know, I've been there for almost a year and it's gone to the point where like recently we'll just talk about like the housewives for an oh. hour. And I'm like, I'm now paying somebody $20 to let me talk to them about the real housewives for an hour. Speaking of which, you owe me $20. <laughs> yeah, I've actually been running quite a tab um, <laughs> for every time you've said housewives. It's credit. We've been together. But no, it's Something because nice. he, he watches it too. So it's not like me just making him listen, making this person who has no idea what I'm talking about listen mm-hmm. to me be just like, Ramona is out of her mind. Uh, so yeah, so I was like, I'm just thinking he's maybe. like, who's the Ramona, Jason? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm the Ramona. And then it's worth it. And then, yeah, and then it's a breakthrough is what you call that. Um, <laughs> it's an aha moment. But so, uh, but yeah, so the, this morning I'm trying to like, you know, suggest, oh, maybe we go bi-weekly and he's telling me why it wouldn't, you know, be so easy for him. And then before I know it, he's like, or, you know, maybe we just take a full break. And I'm like, oh, I wasn't talking about taking a break. Oh, no. um, and he's like, well, I mean. You're like, abandonment issues. Yeah, ah, I know, aha, I know. again, like, damn you it. You should have known. I trusted you. <laughs> just uses my weakness against me. <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, you know, I mean, sometimes a break can be healthy. I'm just like, I wasn't coming into this one in a break. Oh, and no. And then I'm just like now sitting there. Now you're doing there, two days. I know. <laughs> It's like, and now he got exactly what he wanted. And I, I, I somehow signed this thing waiting off the health insurance payments and I'm paying for the whole thing out of pocket. Uh, but yeah, so he, he got me in the corner. He got me against the ropes. And uh, mm. and uh, and I was like, I take it all back. And uh, so now we're like, okay, well, we'll just, maybe we'll take a break later. Because then, um, so I kind of said, I was like, well, you know, I just feel like, you know, more often than not, I'm just coming in here. I'm just like talking about like what's happening at work or whatever, or we'll talk about politics and, you know, and I didn't want to be like, I could talk to literally anyone about that. Um, mm, but, you know, as literally anyone, um, it's nice <laughs> that you get some of that out of off your chest to someone that you pay. <laughs> Just saying. No, I know it is. And he and he basically, you know, was like, well, you know, he's like, you know, my outlook is that it's all all of it paints a picture of who you are, which is what I'm in the business of knowing. And politics, I like, definitely. I mean, oh, I've definitely sure. talked about politics a lot in the past, you know, a couple of months. Um, yeah. Therapy. It, it affects your life. Um, and it so does, does work. It does. Absolutely. Um, but I guess I feel like, 
the you ever talk about me? The conversations I have. I talk about the podcast. Ooh, okay. Um, okay. And uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, uh, and I'm just like, and like, and there's she who must not be named. Was giving me shit again this week. <laughs> uh, no, um, but I just feel like I'm having these conversations with him that are like almost identical to the ones I'm having with Scott at home. So I'm just mm. like, okay, I'm just like going over the exact same talking points with my therapist as I am with my like husband. Um, but, uh, then he, so he was like, well, it all paints a picture. And then he decided to pull back and basically just read me for filth, um, by just like, like, he's like, well, here are some, you know, here are some standout points I've begun to, uh, to put together about you. So he's like, let me tell you about yourself. And I'm like, you're like, that's what you should have been doing the whole time, I'm like, but oh, in easy doses. I know. I'm like, not all at once. We've been, you've been you've been leading me along so gently. So we got my notes. And yes, exactly. Uh, and I, I I saw a couple of your favorite words in there. Mm-hmm, and I was mm-hmm. like, only he would get that from her. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, no. So I was like, okay, so you have been paying attention. And he's like, but well, we can take a break. I'm like, no, we're gonna have to take a break. I get it. You under you know me. You understand me. We should keep doing the work. Wow. Um. So uh, just brutal. Is one um, of your traits that you are uh, easily vulnerable guilted. to manipulation? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you should know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh yes i'm easily guilted uh and um and you know if i feel like i've started to like give something up um that maybe i shouldn't have given up mm. then i am just like <gasps> i'm just like awash in deep 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 uh fear mm-hmm. and and remorse within seconds so it's quite a roller coaster ride and ultimately as i said it did not work um <laughs> so now we're back on we're back in business and the next week he'll go back to not telling me anything <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird situation <laughs> therapy it's not like it is in the movies guys yeah my therapist is um uh she's great uh but lately she started to say some things that are like a little antiquated around um just like gender and sexuality like she's not like a specifically queer therapist and mm-hmm. like that was fine for a long time but mm-hmm. now it's like i'm picking up on everything she's saying that's like kind oh. of like men men are like this and i'm like what the oh, fuck boy. are you talking about she's like so there are these two planets mars and venus <laughs> <laughs> and your problem is you're a venus who likes other venuses but that's not how venus works <laughs> she um yeah i don't know so we're deciding yeah. what to do about that that's interesting um, uh yeah my guy occasionally will go especially in on like corporate culture in a way that borders mm. on tinfoil hat. Oh, um, you know, I'll be like telling some story from work and he'll be like, they're all lying and they're out to get you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's a, that's a, I guess that is a corporate culture thing. I mean, yeah. it's, not, it's not wrong. <laughs> I don't, I don't like, disagree they, with they, that. They are all out to get you, Jason. I mean, I have, a, I have, I, I'm very much on the side of like, Companies are great, but never give them more than they give you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that Rust Belt, um, you know, abandonment uh, situation uh, talking. Yeah, it is. But uh, so, yeah, here we are. Here we are. Just a couple of uh, just a couple of uh, patients. Yeah. Patients, practitioners of the mental health arts. Um, let's just spend that money at the bar. We'll just meet at the bar every oh, week. Oh, yeah. With 20, I'll tell you what's wrong with, with you. <laughs> Buy me $20 yes, worth of drinks. Exactly. Let's buy each other each two drinks. And, <laughs> and then just start a fight club. Maybe we'll do that when there's like a week with no movies. I feel like it would unquestionably turn into a fight club with you, though. I get a little pushy. I feel like you're always a few seconds away from suggesting a fight club anyway. <laughs> you're like, you know where the only real catharsis comes from? And then you just punch me in the face. <laughs> you're too tall. I have to punch you right in the stomach. 
<laughs> and then I double over and then you punch me in the face. Hi, you're the up old, to my old, game. The old Olarte one too. You're a fast, fast learner. <laughs> um, let's get on to movie number one. Uh, the first movie, uh, definitely about mothers, mm-hmm. which is Snatched. Dumped by her boyfriend on the eve of their vacation, impetuous dreamer Emily Middleton persuades her cautious mother, Linda, to accompany her on an exotic getaway to South America. Polar opposites, Emily and Linda must soon work through their differences to escape from a wildly outrageous and dangerous jungle adventure. Let's go out tonight. Hair, makeup, boobs, we're going out. Emily, I am not going out at night. Everything shouldn't be so scary. Oh, it damn well should. One in four tourists are kidnapped. Not true. One, two, three, somebody's missing. I met a man. Well, drinking with a man in a foreign country. Smart, responsible thing to do. We need an amazing adventure. Where the hell are we? The scenic route. What's your pen number? Everything he says. I already am before you told me okay, to. Okay. One, two, three, four. Oh, God. I was going to change it. So remind me, are you uh, on the Amy Schumer train, Rick? <laughs> I guess you could say I am. Yeah, I haven't turned against her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that many have um, just from sheer overexposure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I am a fan of hers. Uh, I think she is very funny. And this is a very funny movie. Oh, it's her and Goldie Hawn. It is. Yeah. Although, so one weird thing to get out of the way. Before the screening of this film, they showed a, um, a video spot that Amy and Goldie taped uh, where they basically are like, you, thank you all for coming to see our movie Snatch and seeing it in the best way anyone can see any movie in the theater. And just like some sort of like fucking like theater owner mafia type, mm, um, you know. Anti-Netflix? It, it, well, yeah. Um, but, you know, this, the, the theaters are feeling, you know, the burn. Mm. And uh, so, and they are wanting to fight back uh, as much as they can. And, you know, um, and just make it seem like going to the movie theater is in any way a pleasurable experience. <laughs> um, so, and it was like, okay, cool. Like, I get it. They're trying to, like, advocate for this, like, basically dying form of, of, of um, entertainment platform. But here's the thing about Amy Schumer doing a spot like that. She had a shooting at a screening of Trainwreck, um, in which two young women were killed. Really, I didn't know that. You didn't hear that? Mm-mm. Oh yeah, it was yeah, it was it was in the South. Um, some disturbed guy went into, and there was um, there was a possibility that he he was like this insane. I mean, he was insane on many levels, and mm-hmm. one one level of that was, you know, extreme misogyny, and mm-hmm. it was um, thought that he possibly chose Trainwreck on purpose. Oh my God! Um, and there were two young women there um, separately who were just wa- just you know have, watching it to have fun, and they were, were shot to death in oh the theater. Oh my God, that's terrible! And she has spoken about it extensively um she dedicates like she writes about it in her book she talked about them both in her netflix special she wasn't you know she's been working with their families like it's why and her so she's related to chuck schumer mm-hmm. and it's part oh, of the why, gun yeah yeah and she's been working with him mm-hmm. quite a bit uh you know it's such it's been such a huge thing for her and uh you know it really profoundly changed her life when that happened and so it just felt a little weird to see mm. her doing this thing where she actually says the words like, there's no better place to watch a movie than a movie theater. Um, and I get that, like, you know, to I mean, there have been a lot of people who've been in movies, unfortunately, where there have been right. shootings that have happened. Yeah. But she has made such a giant, giant uh, thing out of this mm-hmm. just in her art, in her comedy, in her writing. 
so it just felt a little like weird yeah, to see her I mean, being like, yeah, theaters are the best. Go to movie theaters. That's the best way to see a movie. It's like, I feel like less people move, less people have probably like, had someone like walk into their house and shoot them while they're watching a movie. Sure, yeah. Um, maybe if she would have addressed it in, as part of the spot. That would have been different. Yeah, for sure. it would have made sense. But to sort of kind of do a 180 or not acknowledge it at all, that's kind of yeah, weird. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if she was thinking, you know, like, oh, well, you know, like we can't you know, give in to fear and be like, don't go to movie theaters anymore. People get shot there. You know, then, but then, then say it, then say that. I know, yeah. I know, but I'm sure the last thing the theater owner right, is reminder. Let her, yeah, reminder, like, oh, just, you know, while you're in this theater, hey, yeah. everybody, you are in the space where you're confined and like you're exactly. in the dark with strangers. Right, yeah. So that was a weird um, note to start on. Mm hmm. Um, but then, I mean, then we jumped into the movie, Snatched, and the first scene is already so, so funny. Um, we definitely have Amy Schumer here doing sort of variation on her shtick. And I've seen some people sort of already trying to ding her for that, being like, it's just more Schumer shtick. It's like, that's what every, that's guess like... what, dumb fuck? Every stand up comic who becomes a movie star mm -hmm. does almost entirely variations on their stand up persona mm -hmm. when they're doing movies. And we don't crucify them for it. I feel like people just want to take her down yeah and yeah. uh and, and i mean there's always misogyny in there when when you when yeah. you see these things happen yeah um i mean she made some some questionable decisions but sure. at the same time i mean i know there was that one where she was like you know oh i'm scratching my butt on the sacred rock or whatever yeah that um, was that. but 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 what else <laughs> I like i can't it. think i can't think of a whole lot of it and then yeah she, she, she used she to have some insensitive material in her act before, there was that you know and then she like, was very very public about like scrubbing that from her act and very like I, I i do fully respond that i'm now at a higher level of of accountability and responsibility and influence and so i am taking all this out of my act i think she did sort of a thing um where it was like cosmo had her or something in, in terms of like um like plus size women who are like oh right or and something. she was like offended yeah, but she like no, she wasn't offended. She was like, no, no, she was like, well, she was like, I don't, don't put me in this. Like this is, she was like, this is deranged. Because um, I think it was one of the things where it was like, I remember her posting on her Instagram. It was, it was definitely something that was a lose lose. Like the interpretation could have gone either way. I think, mm -hmm. um, but she definitely got a lot of flack for it. Yeah, and I mean, like in the age of in the age of the internet and Twitter, and anyone who does anything gets a lot of flack for it. Mm -hmm. You know, not to excuse all of it, of course, but I think that her infractions have been incredibly minor. And I just see so much vitriol toward her because people are just over her. Mm -hmm. um, I still think she is very, very funny. Um, and this is just such a just a trifle of a movie. Um, so, you know, she plays a variation on the Schumer type. You know, she plays a mm -hmm. sort of messy girl. Um, and, you know, she gets broken up with by her boyfriend, who's played by Randall Park from Veep and from Fresh Off the Boat. Mm -hmm. And um, and they're just about to go on this vacation. So she takes her mom, who's played by Goldie Hawn, and, you know, havoc ensues. Uh so it is is it funny yes i laughed quite a bit uh at this movie and uh schumer and goldie hahn are are very cute together hmm. uh goldie hahn it's it's amazing you know this is I, I i heard this is like the first time she's really been in a movie in a major role in i guess like over 10 years oh wow and she still has like there's a scene toward the beginning where she's like sitting at a laptop and she, despite, you know, having been in the game as long as she has been, can still serve like rom-com looking at a laptop face <laughs> as well as her daughter does. Like she's just, she's just a, she's a movie star, mm -hmm. you know, she just is captivating to watch. Um, and she is, yeah, so charming. Her voice, her voice has, has, has gotten a bit husky with age. And so like, it's a little weird to hear her with like a somewhat like raspier, deeper voice than she used to have. But that's, 
That's the thing that happens. I'm hoping that my voice will drop someday. <laughs> We're all hoping. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and she. this is not the movie where the mother dies in the first opening no, act. No, no, it is not. It is not. So, <laughs> so it's a, yeah. So, and then her brother, Amy Schumer is a brother in the film who's played by Ike Barinholtz mm, from the from Mindy, Mindy Project. Project yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, who's funny. It's always funny to see. But the weird thing with him in this film is that they have limited the humor of his character to a single choice, which is to have him pronounce, to have him refer to his mother as Mama. Okay. And so literally every scene he's in from beginning to end is just him being like, Mama, Mama. And somebody next to me in the screening laughed every time that he said <laughs> mama it was unceasingly hilarious uh that ike Barinholtz was saying mama so if you find that so i've just i've just given you the entirety of his character <laughs> you've already seen his entire arc in the film it's just him saying mama in a variety of settings um so i was going into this movie you know knowing that it was about you know like white mother and daughter going to um venezuela mm. and and getting abducted Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, okay, like I know Amy Schumer is aware that you know there's extra scrutiny on a lot of the yeah, work that, that she does. Yeah, because that was some of her content before was about like Hispanic men being rapists. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she. I think the joke that she used to do was something like, you know, she's like, I used to date, I used to, you know, date with, I used to date a lot of Hispanic guys, but now I prefer consensual sex. That was it. Yeah, um, which as a joke setup is a funny joke setup. <laughs> Uh, meaning the actual, just like the structure of the joke. Um, but obviously the content is horrifying. And um, so I was especially like... Especially now. Yeah. And yeah, especially now, very much now. And so I was like, okay, so like they're doing this movie and they're going to Venezuela and they're going to be abducted. I'm like, how is this movie going to be woke about this? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't try to be woke about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of presents it. Uh, and doesn't really question it. And, um, and so, you know, like it, it shows her, um, you know, one of the jokes in the movie is that she keeps like, she's better at killing than she knew. And so she like, you know, keeps killing these various local guys who are, you know, who are in the, in the business of trying to abduct her. And, um, you know, so we're seeing her killing these local guys. And, uh, and then there's a scene where they're in this village um, and there's like a moment of like pause when they get rescued um, by um, the guy who's the roommate on Broad City. Oh, yeah. Um, what's his name on that show? Let me see. I can't remember. But uh, so he is uh, so he's like a doctor in a, in a village and uh, who, uh, you know, rescues them. And he's trying to, you know, he's making them better again. And um, and then like all the villagers are coming out of the woodwork and just like showering them with like you oh know, like they save them it all sort of like showering them with just like oh you like uh, sort of like you know like white hero type thing mm. um but like there's no like they did not save this village at all actually they bring quite a bit of damage and destruction to this village by the end of the scene but there's like a scene where uh amy schumer's like standing by this well and she like has gotten in a line of all the women who are like pouring um like water into this well and um and it's played as like a sincere moment to show that she's like a good person and the mom is like oh look at you like you're being helpful and she's like yeah i'm a helpful person and i was like this would be a great place to show a cutaway to like two of the women like rolling their eyes at each other yes yeah um but they don't do that oh so like it doesn't really it it 
it was such a good opportunity that they could have had this extra added layer of comedy mm-hmm. in the whole thing of just making fun of how awful she, yeah, she you know, is. Um, yeah, she yeah, yeah how awful she is, how, you know, how awful, you know, Americans abroad are in general, mm-hmm. uh, the nightmare of these two shrieking white women going to Venezuela, um, and just like making things worse everywhere they go. <laughs> um, but that's never the joke. How are they about, uh, racial stereotypes? Um, I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, the only real main characters that are local are, are kidnappers. Right. So there's that. Um, or people who work at the hotel. Oh, okay. Um, they, you know, who, no one at the hotel is especially developed. So you really do have just sort of like the one positive character who is, um, you know, the, the guy from Broad City. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of, uh, mm. about it. You know, it's, it's really about this mother daughter relationship, um, and this sort of, you know, each one being, as you mentioned, the summary polar extremes, you know, Amy's character being too reckless, Goldie's character being too careful. You know, it's it's all very simple. Um, I don't know how lengthy it, this feels like something that was like one of those things that gets sold in the room. Like, OK, it's Amy Schumer vehicle feet, you know, starring and yet to be determined great actress as her mother. And, you know, they they you know get kid they go on a vacation together and then they get kidnapped mm-hmm. you know it's like it, it's it's a, it's a, it's an obvious pitch to go with and um and you know and it is funny it's directed by um jonathan levine who is a fine director who did um the whackness he did 50 50 he did warm bodies you know and it's it's yeah it's funny but i'm just i was really disappointed um that it did not take that extra layer uh level of comedy and commentary uh because it would have been so easy to do with just a few like just even cutaway shots um but it never really it has that kind of blind studio assurance that its leads have to remain sort of like likable um and uh which doesn't serve it especially well uh yeah i mean it seems unnecessary that it that they had to be uh Hispanic men that kidnap them. And, and Amy Schumer, to be fair, is seduced by a white man who is like working in cahoots um, with them. But I don't uh, know if that's better or worse. I know. Um, yeah, right. Because it couldn't be a you know a Latin man that she falls for. Although you know her you know boyfriend was played by Randall Park, so at least there's some diversity mm-hmm. love interest department there. But uh, yeah, so that's not all great. And then you have this, this the, the weirdness uh, that is Wanda Sykes and Joan Cusack playing this um, oh his name is Jaime oh Jaime that's right Mm -hmm. ah longest search ever to track down that info (laughs) (laughs) I had to ask my dad (laughs) he's a slow texter (laughs) um so Wanda Sykes and Joan Cusack play um these two women who they encounter at the hotel who are um they insist platonic best friends and uh and they're just these sort of like wacky kooky ladies uh, Joan Cusack plays like an ex-black ops agent who has, according to Wanda Sykes, cut her own tongue out so she would never be forced to like give away secrets. And so Joan Cusack literally has no dialogue in the movie. Oh, just makes a lot of insane faces. Um, it's 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 strange. Yeah, it's strange. It it's, weird. it's very underbaked, uh, mm-hmm. very undercooked. Um, but uh, how's Wanda Sykes? Uh, you know, she's. I mean, she's Wanda Sykes. You yeah. know, like she has a way. Uh, with a line reading and it is consistent from project to project. <laughs> That's what I'll say about Ms. Sykes, but she obviously is very funny. And, um, and she's another one who you kind of wish would like kick Amy Schumer's ass a little bit in the movie. Mm. Um, but it just doesn't quite happen so much. And, you know, and to be, to be, to be clear, Schumer is clearly meant to be the sort of like fuck up. Right. And, you know, her, it's her bad choices that lead to all these things that happen. 
Um, but you know, there's just, as I said, that, that extra bit of context that seems so clear and so obviously could have done that they didn't go for. Mm-hmm. And it's just a letdown. How is this as a uh, mother's day film? As a mother's day film, I feel like it's probably, it's really raunchy. Mm. Um, and there's like a lot of gross out stuff. Uh, there's a scene, <laughs> um, Jaime actually, um, the reason that, well, the main thing that happens in her scene with Jaime is that he, um, he figures out that she has a tapeworm. Oh. Yes. So there is an extraction. Mm. And it is uh, gross. <laughs> I was like, and I was like, so like, I was like, when I, when I realized that's what they were doing, I was like, on the one hand, I was like, oh no, oh God, no, 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 no. But then I was like, I've always been morbidly curious what this is going to look like. <laughs> so I was, I was kind of glued to it in that kind of car wreck way or train wreck, if you will. And yeah. Is it better than train wreck? There's no LeBron James. No. <laughs> well, you know, I think that it's, it's, the thing about Trainwreck is that, you know, as like a Judd Apatow movie, it kind of is longer than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And it has, you know, a very somber kind of, you know, 30 or 40 minutes or so toward the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this Snatch is a really just lightweight, breezy, garbage lady comedy. <laughs> um, so I think it's... Those it's, are all your favorite things. It's easier to watch than Trainwreck, um, just because it's just less... Um, yeah, it doesn't try to put you through this, like, actual emotional ringer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's basically, yeah, it's like a live-action cartoon. It's ridiculous. What are you giving it? I'm giving it against you moderation. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, yeah, I really... I laughed a lot. Uh, so I, I cannot say that it isn't funny. Um, but I am also somebody who finds Amy Schumer funny. So if you don't, then certainly if you are someone who does not enjoy her, this entire movie is predicated on her exact persona. Mm -hmm. So stay away. (laughs) Uh, Snatch is rated R for crude sexual content, brief nudity and language throughout. And that brings us to movie number two, which is King Arthur Legend of the Sword. After the murder of his father, Young Arthur's power-hungry uncle seizes control of the crown. Robbed of his birthright, he grows up the hard way in the back alleys of the city, not knowing who he truly is. When fate leads him to pull the Excalibur sword from the stone, Arthur embraces his true destiny to become a legendary fighter and leader. Because for the first time, there's something you don't know. Something nobody told you. To prophecy. This is your prophecy. I know what kind of a man you are. What is that, my lord, my dearie? I know your story. Behold, the man who pulled sword from stone. I'm not getting drawn into this mess. There's an army of you. There's only one in me. I'll talk. I'm happy to talk, but there is no way. I am fighting. So what we have here is uh, yet another movie that credits our treasury secretary, Steven Mnuchin, mm. as executive producer. So, wow, yet another, uh, yeah, just a just a just a time to be alive type moment. Seeing your <laughs> treasury secretary's name repeatedly show up in movie credits—that's insane for movies that are being released while he is serving as treasury secretary. Wow. Um, but the funny thing is, uh, this movie that bears his name is also a movie about a vain, thin-skinned, oppressive tyrant ruler who consorts with the enemy to win his throne, 
and inspires a self-proclaimed resistance, what they call it in the movie, to take him down. Um, and then whenever he uh, feels like he doesn't understand why he doesn't have more power and isn't more well-liked, he schemes with this giant, many-tentacled, gurgling beast that slops his way out of a moat in the castle basement in much the same way I imagine Trump's meetings with Steve Bannon go. <laughs> I mean, I feel like uh, Mnuchin just knows what the people want. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, he has he, a real yeah, eye they, for... Uh... He's a moneymaker is what he is. He's a capitalist. So, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? Uh but yeah, so that was uh, that's one fun fact about King Arthur: Legend of the Sword. Uh, I will say, tale as old as time. Tale as old as time. Although this has literally almost nothing to do with any other version of the story that's ever been told. Oh, really? So this is a King Arthur um, origin story. Okay. Um, that has basically been filtered through the aesthetic of Game of Thrones, mm. um, with a lot of Zack Snyder CGI bombast thrown in. So it's not the fun of a knight's tale? It is not the fun of a knight's tale. Um, and then also just Guy Ritchie's sort of like cocky lad humor. Mm. So that's what we have here. Um, and I went into it um, expecting absolutely nothing mm-hmm. um, because nobody was asking for a Guy Ritchie retelling of the King Arthur origin story. Um, and I haven't seen many of Guy Ritchie's films. Um, I've seen om- basically almost none of them, except mm-hmm. for the first two, Lockstock and Snatch. Mm-hmm. Not but, to be confused with Snatched. Mm, see, earlier this episode. Um, but I have to say, like, I was engrossed. Okay. Like, thoroughly by this How movie. How many uh, super ripped dudes are in this movie? Okay, I mean, there's one, um, Charlie Hunnam, uh, who is insanely jacked in this movie and who has quite a nice swagger to him it also guy from um the motorcycle movie the motorcycle tv show (laughs) he's the guy from sons of anarchy sons of anarchy (laughs) do you do a little room room with your hand when you're trying to tell me what you're you're like use your words (laughs) Uh, i'm gonna (laughs) act things out and then you just we're learning to mime this is what we're going to do. Maybe that's fun to listen to, guys. <laughs> um, so in addition to Charlie Hoonan being in it, it also represents a reunion of the original um, British queer as folk. Because, what? Uh, yeah. So Aidan Gillen, uh, who is an actual Game of Thrones cast member, uh, is in this film. And in the original British queer as folk, he and Charlie Hoonan were a couple. Really? They, I did not know he was in uh, yeah, they, queer as folk. And they were. Did you ever watch the American version? Uh, a little bit. Um, I mean, it was obviously inferior to the L word in every conceivable way, Mm -hmm. but, um, uh, so they were, they were the sort of that main couple of Brian and like the much younger blonde twink boy. Um, Interesting. That was there. And there are uh, just any perfunctory search of the internet will reveal to you the many, many repostings of their sex scenes that have, um, that have have spread wildly, Mm -hmm. um, ever since, especially when Charlie Hunnam got cast as Christian Grey before he left Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, right. Um, everyone's like, let's just take a moment and watch this scene. <laughs> um, and now that they are in a movie together, we can have another opportunity to watch that scene. Any excuse, really. It's fine. How's their on-screen chemistry? Um, considerably different. Because now Charlie Hunnam uh, is, you know, just this giant brick wall of a man. And Aiden Gillen resembles sort of like a middle-aged lesbian. <laughs> so it's not quite not quite the same <laughs> same um, sizzle. That, uh, that they once had. Well, I feel like that is exactly your sizzle. <laughs> it's true. That is my sizzle. Um, see, you know me as well as my therapist does. <laughs> Here's $20. Uh, but no, it is really not because Charlie Hoonam happens to be jacked um, that I enjoyed this movie. Like, I know this movie has been getting fucking savaged um, by critics. 
I think it's currently at 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. But, and I was going to throw this out there, and this might be a controversial statement. I would sooner watch this again than Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Ooh. I had more fun watching this movie. Interesting. Than I had fun watching that movie. Well, I mean, you definitely came into both movies with wildly different expectations. Yes, I did. Um, although I still knew going into Guardians that I was watching a sequel. I mean, know? do you feel like having watched so many movies and been a film critic for so long that expectation still plays a very large part in your um, experience when you're I watching mean, a movie? It can. Um, you know, and we'll talk about that a bit with our third movie, sure. too. But, you know, it certainly can. Uh, you know, I try, I, I really genuinely try not to read very much. Like I don't watch trailers, mm-hmm. period, unless they're being screened before a movie. Um, and they usually aren't at the screenings that we go to. Right. Um, whenever reviews come out of movies, I generally, uh, if I haven't seen them yet, then I'll like sort of just do a really, really quick, like, okay, like what's the takeaway here? I'll, you know, look at the, what does it say about the actors? You know, what is the, what's the overall positive mix, negative, you know, but I don't go super, super deep on this stuff, um, because I want to be able to come to it fresh. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so with this, I genuinely was like, I was very entertained and I thought I had a lot of like, so I've, there's some clever, imaginative visual riffs that go on in this movie. Um, it has a complete lack of sentimentality and no, oh, right ro- up your alley. Yeah. A complete lack of sentimentality, no romance whatsoever. Um, so I was all thumbs up on that. <laughs> um, and, uh, so, and it has, you know, this constant sort of like British guy, Richie humor going on, um, throughout, which is enjoyable to me. Uh, it even has a cameo from David Beckham. Really? David Beckham is uh, tasked with playing the guy who guards the stone that has Excalibur mm. in it. So I don't know. I don't, I'm not super, I'm not familiar enough with the King Arthur story to know if any of this origin story bears itself out in any other, um, you know, places where the story is told. Yeah. I think it's hard to say but, they're like, I mean, if you were to like look historically, there are a lot of different versions. So it's like the one that's like considered kind of the, yeah. the canon or the, core of the canon but Mm -hmm. the rest of it there's it's like folklore collected well in this version it is an awful lot like the old testament uh (laughs) so you know in the beginning of the film um we know there is this power grab made uh at the castle um from jude law uh who plays the king's brother to the king played by eric bana and um and yeah jude law pulls off this this um coup in which he um he kills so <laughs> this is getting back to the mother's day thing um so both his wife and eric Bana's wife both mothers are killed before the credits roll wow um and then jude law also kills the king but then um the son young arthur very young at this point gets away on a boat so um so jude law is taking power and 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 young arthur is floating away on this boat eventually he washes ashore um in londinium and uh, and is taken in by um, some whores um, at a brothel, and he's raised in the brothel, and so just in the sense that he like floats away in a basket, and then you know ends up mm. you know is separated from his birthright, um, you know is raised in kind of you know poverty, and then you know comes back up up, um, and then and then he he parts the channel and then, and to, then get to, to, get the back, to get back to the mainland, yeah, back to the mainland. And even, um, so Jude Law orders um, that all, like, the men men of the kingdom come and all have to each try pulling the stone out. And Uh. then each one gets branded um, to show that they've tried and failed. Um, Which is, you know, (laughs) uh, speaking of uh, Amy Schumer's lower back tattoo. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, uh, so, David Beckham plays the guy who stands guard by the rock. Um, where the sword the is rocks stuck. In this? <laughs> You're like, why did you bury the lead? <laughs> um, I hear he's running for prez. 
Yeah, yeah, that GQ interview has really taken off. It really has. Katie Weaver. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so David Beckham's staying there, and then um, Charlie Hunnam's walking up, and uh, David Beckham has um, a, a prosthetic, uh, he has a facial prosthetic scar covering half of his face, but you still know it's him, because when he opens his mouth, he's like, all right, come over, whoever's next, come on, come on, on with you, come on, come on, we'll go, can we do it now? All right, hurry up now, off you go. So you're like, oh, that's David Beckham. <laughs> oh my God, he's a movie Then he star. kicks a soccer ball. Right. And uh, exactly. you didn't even know they had them in the same century. And he bends it, I guess. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I was just engrossed. I was engrossed by this movie. It's definitely a, like a, a B movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it has a lot of like guilty pleasures uh, to enjoy about it. And it's just, it's so doofy and ridiculous. Um, but like, yeah, I was entertained. I was laughing. It doesn't seem to take itself very seriously, which is something I enjoy in a movie. Um, and this definitely doesn't seem that way from the trailer. Yeah. You sort of expect it to be. Yeah. No, it's just goofy. It doesn't take itself seriously. It kept me I, engrossed. I was sitting there and I was like, I am having fun. What is this feeling? What is, what is the right word? These are things you think when you're like preparing to review a movie. You're like, what word would I use to describe the way I'm feeling right now? <laughs> and I landed on engrossed. Mm, you sure did. Um, so not engorged, engrossed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I know everyone wow. fucking hates this movie, but I mean, I have to tell you, I think you'll have a good time if you go see it. It's a fun time. It's a little long, right? It's about a little over two hours. Did it feel that way? No. No, no, it didn't feel it didn't feel too long at all. It does have the fun, the, the climactic battle, which of course is between Arthur and his uncle. Um, definitely veers way overboard into like CGI video game battle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a bit of a letdown. Um, but up until that point, I was yeah, I was having a damn good time watching it. And uh, is it three D? Uh oh god was it oh yeah it is in 3D it is in 3D and uh and they have a lot of fun with that too uh there's there it, they do not waste the 3D factor let oh, me tell good. you I like a good 3D movie yeah lots of lots of um you know arrows and whatnot flying at your face uh what are you giving this one I'm gonna give it a consume moderation I was even thinking consume plus when I was watching it Whoa. honestly I was really I'm just like I'm having a good time I mean I feel like if you think that's, if that's what you think you should go for it I know and I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with it I, you know I, I really uh, I, I think this is a fun like, engrossing yeah it's, it's a, 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 did I call it engrossing yet <laughs> it's an engrossing just goofy self-deprecating action movie and uh, with with a ease and charm and style and wit and I don't know. I enjoyed it. Well, uh, King Arthur Legend of the Sword is rated PG-13. Oh, it's only yeah. PG-13. Yeah, which is, you know, they could have just gone full R. But, um, and, and this is shaping up to be a, a colossal, colossal flop. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> so there's really no point that they, there's no point that they, right, then, that they butchered it down to PG-13 because it's not going to make money anyway. Um, but it is PG-13 for sequences of violence and action, some suggestive content and brief, strong language. Which brings us to our last movie, uh, Hounds of Love, which is our pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick, pick, pick is the pick, pick of, of the week. week. In the mid-1980s, 17-year-old Vicky Maloney is randomly abducted from a suburban street by a disturbed couple. As she observes the dynamic between her captors, she quickly realizes she must drive a wedge between them if she is to survive. Yeah. There's just something about you. It makes me want you all the 
I did see one thing about this movie when I was looking at the trailer when we are um, preparing to get um, the assets. And I think it was a variety quote that says, brave audiences will be rewarded. Mm. Brave indeed. <laughs> this movie is, um, I, we, we sort of, we had Buster's Mel Heart last week, which we called grueling, I believe. Punishing. punishing. Mm-hmm. This takes it up a notch, I would say, in terms of punishing and grueling. But... I would take it over Buster's Malheart any day. Oh, absolutely. For sure. I mean, it is our pick of the week. And it's also way less complicated. It's it's incredibly simple. Yes, but in terms of it being hard to watch? Yes. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is, but I honestly not that much. Like, really? I, since I mean, since so much of it happens off-screen. I mean, I feel like that was part of that was part of it. I feel like this is a movie that shows you uh, what you feel like is too much, but then when they stop showing you things, it gets even worse. Yeah, I yeah, I didn't really like. I was like, I appreciated that they were taking that tack with it, but it didn't have the effect on me that you're saying it had on you. Hmm. Maybe you had to have been a young woman uh, or a woman growing up in the '80s when this kind of thing was mm-hmm. definitely part of like the media, and mm-hmm. um, it was a constant fear. Um, so this movie takes place, as we mentioned, in the '80s, and I believe. Perth, in Australia, Perth. and uh, and and I guess apparently possibly based on on true uh, sto- uh, events. I think it's like a kind of an amalgamation of like different there possible was, true stories. Well, there was one couple in particular. Um, oh, really? That yeah, that um, I was reading the New York Times review of this, and they um, linked to an article about this actual couple that did similar things in 1986. Oh, in Australia? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it doesn't say it's based on a true story. It does not. It does not. Um, and you know, it's just a so, tale of boy meets girl. Um, yeah, <laughs> boy and girl pick up a teenager uh, because boy and girl are having probs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost sort of like it's almost sort of like if George and Martha from Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? <laughs> oh God, <laughs> were like a young Australian couple <laughs> that don't have great respect for human life and and get off on killing teenage girls. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the thing is, like, it's not like I just feel like I've seen stories like this a lot. Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I feel like even That's like a even, lifetime addiction like, you have. Well, I feel like no, even like room, you know, I mean, I feel like I've seen um, these stories told before. I think that one thing this does that those other ones don't as much is, you know, it, it goes out of its way to humanize um, the captors. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, I didn't think it made them seem especially complex. Uh, these are not these are not I mean, these are not sophisticated or clever people. Mm hmm. And they are, um, you know, all the little sort of um, cracks in their foundation that that their that their victim, uh, you know, starts to try to play into, are so obvious. obvious. Yeah. Like there's nothing. There's no like from the very beginning. It's just so obvious. I just feel like everything about this movie was obvious. I feel like that's what made it. Um, that's what made it all the more terrifying because I think that it's like, well, okay. So first, let me go back to the room thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it, it is another movie of somebody in captivity against their will. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, to be uh, sexual prey. Mm-hmm. But room is uh, the focus of room is so unique and different. It's about this little boy that goes up in the space where he doesn't mm-hmm. understand the real world. Like that is the completely different story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I guess and in that mm-hmm. one, you don't even really see the captor very much. And this is right. about the just like cycles of abuse that creates these sorts of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that the fact that they aren't particularly clever and that um, their cracks are obvious is, is kind of what you expect. Like when you have this idea of like, there's this kind of like crazy mastermind that like abducts people and they're like these brilliant genius, like a seven type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it becomes like really unbelievable and this like interesting story. But mm-hmm. here it's like, nope, these are kind of the... Uh, uh, dregs of society that you would expect to do something like this, and it's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, and and again, I just I, I was asking myself like, why am I like, why am I watching this? Because I was like, what is it about this that makes this different than every other movie about like a young woman in captivity? And and again, it leads me to okay, it's this idea that like it it tries to tell a more nuanced emotional story um, about the two captors. Um, but in, in the performances are all fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's great in this film. Um, the young lady who's taken into captivity, um, you know, this could be a breakout performance. I could see, I could see like a young Jennifer Lawrence, mm-hmm. you know, doing this kind of role. Um, and the woman, yeah, her who, name is Ashley Cummings, Ashley Cummings. And then I believe Emma Booth is mm-hmm. the woman who plays the, um, the female captor. That's to me the all stuck. Like, that's, I feel like 70% of how great this film is, is because of her. She's very good. And the thing that freaks me out about her is how much she looks like Ellie Kemper with bangs. <laughs> yeah, I guess you, I guess I can see that now. Um, you know, and, and, you know, another, you know, from another Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, another story about, yeah, female, women, women in captivity. captivity. So I guess that's what I mean. Like maybe it's because I've just rewatched that show so many times. So I feel like I've spent a lot of time <laughs> contemplating the Again, experience of women in take. captivity. Oh uh, yeah, very different take on 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 a similar narrative. Yeah, no, I mean Emma Booth is fantastic in this. Um, and and the whole movie is the artistry of the filmmaking is 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 superb. Mm-hmm. The photography is amazing. The mood, the music, the music is really out music, of out of this world. Music is very good. Um, but you know, I guess I just didn't feel ultimately that rewarded. You know, they're like, "Oh, brave audiences will be rewarded," or whatever that quote was that you said. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel rewarded. I, I felt like it was just really simple, and I felt like you know, it doesn't kind of do since it doesn't really show you very much. I felt ultimately like the impact on me was very low. It was a very low impact movie on me, but. And this is our pick of the week, so I'm going to stop and let you talk about what you liked about it so much. <laughs> Clearly, I weighed a little heavily on uh, picking this one as the pick of the week. Um, when I was watching this, I had to stop about 10 minutes before it was over, and I was like running to get here so I could finish it. The tension in this movie is so, uh, so high um, for a couple, again, that they're like, this is a thing that they do, and they have a pretty regular schedule, but it's high because they're so unstable what they're going to do, how they're going to interact with each other. Is, is constantly on the verge of, like, insanity. You have this woman, you know, the little girl, not little girl, she's a teenager, mm-hmm. uh, trapped in the room. What's going to happen to her? Then there's this whole other story of uh, her parents were recently divorced, and there's a there's a bit of a, I don't know, I guess, like, you know, you get into a situation of complexity and high tension, and you start to blame people. So, the you know, the father blames the mother for leaving the family, and, and they're kind of on this desperate hunt for their daughter. And, you know, it kind of all comes to a head at the end, and I'm not going to spoil it, but it's, I I think I held my breath for the last seven minutes of that movie. Wow. It had a very strong effect on you. It did. I thought it was uh, really well done. And uh, I think that it, it's okay that it was simple. I mean, I guess, I mean, I'm fine with simple, but I mean, I also like, I never felt any of that tension you're talking about because wow. I expected everything. Like I was like, I never for a second was worried about certain things happening. And really? so, you know, I was like, 
what? Now I'm like, it's not going to end X, Y, Z way. And that's not going to happen. Oh, so, I absolutely thought anything could have happened. Oh, I never for a second was like, oh, no, that could actually, no. Like, I was like, this is this is only going one way. Hmm. Um, and, um, you know, and I think if anything, you know, the fact, and I also thought, I had read descriptions of this movie where it was like, oh, there's there are these serial, there's a serial killer couple. I was picturing something far different um, than the sort of like almost understated domestic drama that we got. But I thought that they were going to like continue to be like killing people while they had her in captivity and all this stuff. I was led down by the lack of murder is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, it reminded me of stories like <laughs> it made me think of that movie Ruthless People um, with Bette Midler and Danny DeVito. <laughs> where, where Danny DeVito like hates his wife and so he like has her get kidnapped. Um, oh, right, right, right. By, I believe by, oh, it was Bill Pullman, not Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. Bill Paxton and um, Helen, uh, or Bill Pullman and Helen, um, God, what's her name? Uh, some Helen, not Hunt, other one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's sort of about this this sort of sympathetic look at these, like, inept kidnappers. They're trying to, mm-hmm. you know, and also, like, raising Arizona, and I don't know. Uh, you know, it, Wow, we yeah. watched, like, completely different movies. <laughs> I was laughing. No. I <laughs> it's wasn't, a real chuckle fest. Yeah, no, I was not laughing, but I guess I just felt like everything in the movie was very obvious and very predictable, and, and, um, and I, I wanted to... I love the idea of a story like this, where... Um, it's about like finding this really like startling emotional complexity um, in this scenario that could be so exploitative. Mm-hmm. And I like that it tried for it. I just don't feel like it quite got there. Mm, interesting. Uh, we talked about Emma Booth's character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's there's a real insight there in, in terms of like uh, cycles of abuse. And, mm-hmm. you know, this the the man she's with, you know, definitely has her uh, under his control. He manipulates her at every turn. He... Uh, you know, re- reacts violently and does certain things, and then kind of comes back and then makes these promises to her. How how you can take someone how, like how could you be complicit in something like this? Like you know, there's this sort of idea that women would never kidnap and like sexually abuse like a teenage mm-hmm. girl, but like how does that happen? And what's like what's the story there? I feel like this was like a, did a really good job of explaining kind of like how that could happen to to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if I like zoned out for some of these things where you know, where Emma Booth's character was talking about like any sort of backstory that she had that would have explained this. Like, I think all things you're saying make sense with her character, but I don't remember them ever really like super going into like, I, you know, I knew the things about how she, you know, she has kids who are not with her and she's hoping to get them back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is part um, where like, um, uh, the, the boyfriend talks about how, um, when he found her, she oh, was being right. abused mm-hmm. and then he got her away from her father right, and like all yeah. kind of, kind of those things. Yeah, 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 I just, I liked how, um, you know, until the very end, this movie is very slow. Even, you know, they, they abduct, uh, they abduct the girl and, you know, time goes by where you're just sort of like waiting for the inevitable to happen. And mm-hmm. then, and that like just starts to build the tension kind of immediately. It doesn't like. It isn't like, you know, high action at the beginning, like, you know, she's abducted and things happen and it's mm-hmm. just like this like mess. It's like very measured. Yeah. And I feel like that made yeah. me more anxious the whole time. Yeah, it definitely takes you into just like the moment to moment space reality mm-hmm. of of this woman in, in captivity. Yeah, it has a very real time feel. to it, it. Yeah, it does have a real time feel to it. So, so it's a Mother's it, Day movie. What, what it doesn't have is any connection to Kate Bush, despite no. being called Hounds of Love. <laughs> Um, although there is a hound in it that does not get a lot of love. Not very much love at all. There, um, there is trigger warning, because I'm mm-hmm. sure Rebecca might have, I don't know if you, do you want to know going into a movie if it's going to have a scene of violence against a dog? Or I would a like, I would like to know. So trigger warning, there is a scene of brutal violence against a dog mm-hmm. in this film as well, which makes the title even more upsetting. Yeah, it really between does. that and the lack of a Kate Bush song. Uh, but yeah, it's a pretty killer uh, 80s soundtrack. 
for the yeah, most part. Yeah. So again, as a Mother's Day movie. Yes, as a Mother's Day movie, this and Snatch are both about mothers knowing best and about willful mm-hmm. daughters who learn their lesson. I feel like this is definitely a movie I'm so glad my mom didn't watch when I was a kid because this was, it was just a fed right in. Like, there's no way yeah, you're going to the mall. To there's the paranoia no way of parents in the 80s. I did get driven everywhere, though. Out of, I tried to exploit that fear as much as I could. It was like, well, you, don't want, you want me to get a cell phone, don't you? Like when the first <laughs> cell phones came out. You don't want me to get abducted. And there I am rolling I mean, around with my cell phone. Like car phone, I, actually. You had to plug it in. They see me. They, they see me rolling. They hating. <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember definitely, you know, getting those talks like, oh, don't talk to strangers. Go, don't get into strange cars and, you know, all that stuff. But, um, you know, yeah. So I, I definitely remember that about 80s parents. Mm-hmm. So this is of its time uh, in that sense. The time being its setting. So, Hounds of Love, uh, it's unrated, but it would be rated R for violence, sexual assault, nudity, and language. It's a hard watch. And you're giving it a binge it. I'm giving it a binge it. And it's a consume for me. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, all right. Guess we have to live with that now. <laughs> um, so, that, that's it for the show. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe uh, if you can. And Jason's on Twitter at XSFaggage. And I'm at Bite Balance. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.